Hey guys, well, welcome to another Coffee Life podcast. Uh, this is Sean Scott. We're sitting at my house today, um, but I I am thrilled to have uh, Spencer on the podcast. And uh, I met I met him over the counter at Known, um, and just a really interesting guy. I think what I look for um, in guests on the podcast are people that are. Uh, First of all, good people that I want to hang out with. Uh, and they can be doing business or they can just be thoughtful. Um, and he's he's a writer. I don't really want to pigeonhole him. I'll let him introduce himself. Um, he does a lot of things. But uh, just a really solid guy that uh, that I think everyone should, uh, should get to know in Winston and kind of hear his story. So appreciate you uh, sitting down, my man, and uh, taking some time. And I'll let you introduce yourself and how you landed in Winston and all that. Sounds good. Thanks, Sean. What's up, Coffee Life fam? Uh, I'm Spencer Aubrey. Uh, I'm actually uh, born and raised in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, That's my hometown. Found my way to Winston about a year and a half ago. Was helping my brother move from from Phoenix to Charlotte uh, because he got a job. And then wound up getting a job in coffee about the second weekend. My sister definitely gets some credit for having a conversation with a manager about that. <laughs> but uh yeah, and then have been here ever since. And uh yeah, I'm a I'm a writer, a poet. Um I'm a musician as well and work in coffee, uh, also a bartender, a uh, few a few things. And then have a few other hobbies and things on the side too. Roller skating. So if y'all roller skate, really? hit a brother up. Oh yeah, I've been roller skating since I was like twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man, that's my jam, man. <laughs> that's all, like. So tell me about that. Like, are we talking like the old school? Oh yeah. Know, the... We're talking quads. We're talking tricks. You know, on quads really? and everything. Yeah, I'm. I really. Uh, Do we have some videos. We have some videos. I don't have yeah. videos, but if y'all ever at Skate Haven or outside at uh at Renolda Village. You know, you might see me skating outside or, you know, if, you, if you're if at any of the skating rinks in Winston, I'm generally over there. So what, and, what got you into that real quick? So crazy story. So I got to I gotta say this as a, as a prequel. Some of the things that people do in life are because of other people. This is one of those things. The girl I was dating at the time grew up skating and I had only skated for, you know, like a couple of times when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is something that you really enjoy doing and I want to be able to do that with you. So. Ended up buying my first pair of skates, most expensive pair of shoes I ever bought in my life. <laughs> but started skating and then really wanted to get good fast. So I was skating four or five times a week for almost two years and just outside and doing whatever I could. And then just kind of have stayed with it ever since. And I have another pair of skates now because I broke the, the trucks on my first one. So that was kind of sad. But yeah, it's a it's a great hobby. It's a great exercise, and I'm yeah. I'm on the Greenway too. So if y'all ever at the Greenway, you know you might see me skating by, you know too. So, so you seem to be a guy again in my short experience with you. When you get into something, mm-hmm. you get into it. Oh yeah, definitely. Is that <laughs> is that accurate? That's a full. It's a yeah. It's the deep end kind of kind of thing. I'm just you know you jump off the diving board and you you trying to touch the bottom of the pool. You yeah. know so yeah. Are you uh, the oldest middle child? I'm the eldest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's all come together. Yep. All come together. <laughs> so I was like, I know you, man. Yeah. I, all right. All right. But the picture is getting a little clearer. Yeah. But today, I, so I wanted to uh, have him on. Um, 
Because I think one of the first times we met over coffee, he mentioned uh, that you did poetry. And uh, and then in a shop a couple weeks ago, he was doing some writing for Barista Magazine, which is pretty cool. And that's like legit. If you know coffee, that's that's like writing for Sports Illustrated. If you're in sports, right? You know, it's kind of like the magazine. So um, he's obviously skilled at what at what he does. But um, but poetry is one of those things where not a lot of money in it, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's <laughs> I mean, true. it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what? got you into that was that was that a childhood thing too or as you got older and was it a was it a mo- an emotional response or what why did you start that journey crazy story so i uh i have been writing uh ever since i was a kid you know short stories or just even poems and so i think poetry has been a part of my life for a very long time but i wasn't intent i wasn't intending on becoming uh or going to school even for poetry I actually was in seminary, uh, and so I went for a semester to Phoenix Seminary. Had a pretty rough time. Uh, seminary is pretty tough, and I took two of the hardest classes in the seminary my first semester. So, uh, full disclosure, almost failed out, which was not fun, <laughs> but learned a lot of things. And then uh, I was in a writing collective at the church that I was at, and one of my buddies in the writing collective was like, hey, I'm actually doing this master's program uh, right now, and they're doing this weekender session uh, it's actually a college that's based in Pennsylvania, but at a satellite campus in Arizona. And so he was going there and working on his MFA. And he's like, hey, why don't you come to the weekender session, you know, do some of the workshops, and maybe you can talk to the lady who's running the program because I know you're a good writer. And, you know, maybe seminary wasn't, you know, what you needed to do at the time, but this might be a program, you know, for you to, to continue your education. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come through. So I went to the weekender session, um, had a wonderful time with the workshops, met the professor that would actually eventually become the, the one who would uh, be helping me through my capstone, and then submitted actually about 10 pieces of work to the lady to, uh, to review and was accepted to the program. So that's how it started uh, in terms of like the educational part of it. But yeah, I've been writing just small things. I journal uh, quite often as well. So um, yeah, writing's always been been there, but to actually pursue it was actually a friend of mine just being like, hey, I know you can write. You should check this out. And then just like you were saying earlier, just jumping into the <laughs> you know, in the deep end of the pool and, uh, you know, being like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So that was in 20, I want to say 2014 was the weekender. I started the program in 2015 and I graduated uh, with my master's in poetry in 2016. Oh, so you have your master's in poetry. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, Wilkes University. So, so have you have you done anything professional? I mean, it's difficult, right, to do something professionally with it unless you're teaching. And but have you? I mean, besides writing, other forms of writing. Um, but have you done anything professionally with your poetry? Uh, I've done some spoken word events. Um, that's probably the breadth of it. I have done some performances. I did sorbet for. Um, there's a. Uh, a slam poetry basically festival thing that happens in Arizona uh, up north so I've done some stuff with that um, at the uh, AWP conference that they have every year did some stuff with their their slam poetry stuff um, this was a few years ago so while I was still in the program uh, but in terms of that mostly just I haven't published much poetry I do have one poem that's been published it's actually about Winston-Salem it's in the North Carolina uh, bards 
Uh, it's a poetry anthology that they come out with every so often. And so I have one of, one of my poems in there, which is great. And then I have done a lot more like journalistic writing with it. But in terms of poetry, it's mostly just, you know, poetry slams or spoken word events. Um, and that's about the extent of it. And I'm also, as a musician, I think rappers and, you know, people who are in hip hop, they are poets, you know, they're writing poetry. So we do have music out, um, the group that I was in in Arizona. Uh, we have a lot of music out on Apple Music and Spotify. And so I've definitely, m many of my verses have either been inspired by poems or are an, an entire poem in themselves. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it was so funny, man. You know, I uh, I took poetry when I was in college, mm -hmm. and uh, because I I wrote poetry mm -hmm. long before, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be an easy class, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was my senior year. I got a C minus. Dang. <laughs> in the in poetry. Oh my uh, goodness. Because the the teacher, like, I didn't realize again. I, it was completely, un, it was uneducated poetry, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there was no. I wasn't thinking structure. I wasn't thinking mm -hmm. any of. I mean, you could school me on. Yeah. I still don't know um, a lot, and I I had the hardest time when mm -hmm. she would instruct us to write in certain ways, or just doing it right, like mm -hmm. when I couldn't just right i shut down yeah it was the craziest thing man yeah but I, that's I, that was that was a humbling experience right? when you think you're a, a great poet and you're like dang this sauna is not coming together <laughs> right this is not coming. <laughs> and she and you know and she was just so brutally honest in front of class in front of the class man mm -hmm. it was it was a it was a trip dang but uh <laughs> so who do you look up to in your in that field like who's who do you draw inspiration for any, anyone in particular, and, and and why do you? Yeah, I would say, in terms of maybe traditional poetry, I would say Langston Hughes has always been somebody that I've I've looked up to as a poet. Um, there are also a lot of writers and orators that I think just write and and speak in a very poetic style. So I'm influenced, I think, more so as I kind of step more into my adult life. Um, by people like James Baldwin, you know, his stuff is very poetic. Um, even Dr. Martin Luther King, a lot of the black um, orators of, of the past couple generations have really, Frederick Douglass, even with his stuff, like reading his biography and a lot of the things that he's written. There's been a lot of people, um, even Ida B. Wells too, there's a there's a whole lot of, um, you know, and Nora Zeal Hurston and, um, just many, many, many great writers who who flow well poetically. I think that's that's been it. Because most of the style that I write in is confessional prose poetry, and so it has a more of a you know it's it's a prose style. There is some rhyming and, and other things too, but I think when it comes down to it, is the the beauty of how the language comes together in it, rather than I gotta stick to an A B you know A B rhyme scheme. You can do that. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of what I've written kind of falls into that, and so maybe drawing more inspiration. Not to say I don't draw inspiration from poets. Like you can, you know, you look at Poe, you look at, you know, Hemingway, you look at all these different, you know, classic poets. Which I think a lot of the, you know, illustrations that they use with with words is it's amazing. Um, but also being able to draw from just straight writers who can can convey things in in such a maybe like lyrical way and yeah. have this cadence that 
embodies and really represents poetry through what they're doing so yeah yeah do you find so you said confessional Mm -hmm. so what does that mean is it is that um for those of us outside of of that world Mm -hmm. uh does it mean exactly what it sounds like confessional yeah it's really kind of i think or at least the best way i've heard it described is like bearing your soul on the page essentially and so talking about themes and topics that are are very much um at least for me, like contemplative and maybe more deeply uh, resonant with things that are happening in, in your own heart that you may or may not want to share, but can, you know, once you get them out there and put them on the page, really do speak to a lot of areas I think that are, um, that people can gravitate to, you know, and that people experience. So some of them are very light and not, not as heavy. Some are some of the deepest things that I wrestle with, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a spectrum of, you know, of things that are probably more so uh, indicative of the heart and how that, you know, how you're wrestling with something or walking through it. Uh, so that would be, you're just telling, you're basically telling the world through the page yeah. what's going on inside. And that's what I would say. Do you keep most of it like in a personal collection or, or do you share a lot of it on a blog or online or I share some of it online and in a blog. Um, the chat book that I wrote for uh, my capstone, I frequently sent that out to people to read. And then I'll just, you know, even at the spoken word events and other things that I've done, I've done a lot of those poems um, as well. So people get an, an inside look at what's going on in, in you, you know, or in your life. But at the same time, it's a lot of the things I'll have people frequently come up and say, you know what, that was, that was moving. I never thought about that in that way. I never, you know, I've, I wrestled with these things in this way, but I've never, I've never heard anybody talk about it like this. And so being able to watch that kind of give people space to kind of talk about the things that they're also going through is, is really interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. I, I think there's no, there's no end in discovering this human experience right Mm -hmm. i thought as 18 year old 20 year old you're kind of like everything's new it's but even in midlife now right yeah um it's still it's all a progression of understanding of seeing people seeing yourself Mm -hmm. um and there's no end to it it's it's a really funny thing because you're like how much can you write about the human experience Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's endless. Mm-hmm. It's like infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, sadness, joy, fulfillment, contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, just the mysticism of our experience. Yeah. Um. And uh, that's that's what I love about write like good writers. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that a lot of people? Maybe you found this. The vast majority of the population is unable mm-hmm. to put words to these profound experiences yeah. um, inside of them, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, you're the key. Mm. They have that lock, but they actually need your words mm-hmm. and people like you yeah. to shape their key, mm-hmm. you know? And, you're, and you're, not, you're not taking the words out of their mouth. You're just giving them the ability to, like, shape it and form it Absolutely. and process it, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's one of the things that, that is lost, not lost now, but, and this kind of goes into the, you know, in the age of 140 characters, or whatever it is on Twitter, mm-hmm. 
in your opinion, has has social media has that has that degraded or devalued thought and thoughtful writing and communication, or is it, or do you think it's helped the public in sharing more and writing mm-hmm. more? You, know, you understand? Because there's, there's there's a lot of people. I feel like we throw a lot in bite sized chunks now, mm-hmm. and it's usually polarized thought, right? It's mm-hmm. not really great at blending thought. Yeah. Um, and there's not the time mm-hmm. and the chapters to expand on that. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel that our current culture is is moving and, and where, where we're at and just writing in the process, right? Mm-hmm. I'll try to keep it as concise as I can, but I think it's a double-edged sword. I think the access to be able to disseminate that information, you know, as we're feeling it or in the moment is is a really helpful thing. I think it gives people an opportunity to, you know, their first response is something that they can immediately say and and get out. And hundreds, thousands of people can hear it. And hundreds and thousands of people can hear it. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is great. And you're like, oh man, like that could either be really great or really bad or somewhere in between. But I think that, you know, giving people that that space for people to at least for them to to talk about it and to get it out in the, in the open and in the air yeah. is important. Now, with that, you know, it has its its other part where it's like, you know, back in the day when technology did not allow us to be able to have as much access to, you know, the voice or basically the, the platform of the world yeah. uh, to talk to, many people had to wrestle with those things on their own or within small communities of people. And then as those things grew, um, there was more of a refining process, which I think was really something that I personally I want to kind of see happen more because I think in that refinement, it's not to say that the words and the things that come out are are bad. I think you gotta you gotta get those things out and talk about it and be able to to work through it. But it's just like with any piece of writing, the first thing that you write down on the page is most likely not gonna be what you actually yeah get published it's or whatever a draft, right? it's a draft and so we're there's a whole lot of drafts in the world right now because of yeah. social media and everything that's going on but i think if if that time to refine some of those things you know was taken even in a more intentional way there would be there would be a whole lot of uh, you know opportunity for people to be like yo this is like succinctly what i what i'm feeling or thinking or Doing and maybe even more perspective that could be drawn from that, and instead of it just being like I was mad, so I wrote this, you know. And it's good to be able to write that, but it may not necessarily be the right place for everyone to hear that all of the time. And I think there's a there's a degree of um, I don't know, just uh, maybe restraint that is helpful in that process. So you, is social media kind of the the thing? But I personally, I I, I deleted all my social media sans twitter so i was like i it didn't deactivate it i deleted my instagram and my facebook so i'm i'm off it and i've been off it for a few months now and i think it's really helped um one i may not be as plugged in and connected but i'm able to be more present i think with so many other things which has been a really um it's been an interesting process but a really great process uh, and those conversations, you know, or the ways in which I'm able to, you know, wrestle through how I'm feeling or thoughts are able to happen with people. And I think when you're doing it with people, 
as opposed to either anonymously or, you know, throwing it online without consequence. It gives you the opportunity to have some accountability to what you're saying. And I think words, words, words matter. They're powerful. They have weight and gravity. And even though you can write whatever you want, there's still consequences, good or bad. And so with all that going on, I'm like, you know what? I want my words to be able, you know, you can either, it says life and death are, are in the tongue. You know what I mean? You can build somebody up or you can tear them down to literally nothing. Um, and so being able to have that space to say, I want to talk to people and talk through it, you know, in these ways, I, I think that's been been very helpful for me. It may not be everybody's cup of tea or coffee, um, but uh, it has definitely given me the opportunity to refine some things and maybe even better understand myself and other people um, without just blasting things out there all the time. Yeah. So. Well, because it, it can also turn, and I, I've even, it's like a check for myself, right? Your mm-hmm. your communication, it, it can become really self-centered. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's just, it's releasing it on your time. Mm-hmm. You can kind of control responses. You can delete people. You can block them. You mm-hmm. can, and, uh, and so it can warp something that was really good too. So you don't have that accountability mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. Or it, or you're getting accountability from mm-hmm. people that you don't even have a relationship with Absolutely. generally, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of the people that will are combative online, or you're like, uh, who who's this guy? Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it it just it can distort the process. But um, mm-hmm. I kind of want to, you know, I mentioned when I introduced you that I just like the way that you think about things, and so I just wanted to throw a couple questions while I have you here. Yeah. Out and and they're they're kind of like bigger questions, mm-hmm. but um, if you know me at all. Anyone listening, you know that this is of no surprise, <laughs> but um, but it kind of dovetails with all this. Um, but what is trust? So we didn't get to talk about it um, in the episode, but uh, Spencer and and I listened to this track by DMX. Um, it's been around the internet quite a bit, um, where he talks about trust. And so I thought it's, it's super thought-provoking. Um, so I threw it in here real quick before our conversation about trust. Always trust everyone to be themselves, but trust in the fact that you can see them well. I mean, so it's like, you know, trust, trust, trust. It takes too much energy to not trust someone. I mean, it takes too much energy. You only got to stay two steps ahead of them or whatever. But trust them to be them. Right. To be themselves. Trust a the snake to right. bite you. Right. Trust a lie to laugh. Trust right. a thief to steal from you. Like, trust them to be them. Too. But right. know them when you see them. Trust is a really big, important piece. So whether it's uh, you know interpersonal relationship, business, faith, mm-hmm. um, it all comes down to trust. But just like in sharing your opinion, you extend trust, mm-hmm. you receive trust. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like what is trust to you? Mm. And and uh, and and we have like a lot of personal baggage, right? Mm-hmm. It's. It's it's a difficult thing to maintain what you thought trust was before, mm-hmm. and then walking through life, and you you just kind of get it gets beat up a little bit, right? Yeah, it changes. So, so how would you define trust, and and what's mm-hmm. its starting point? How's it impacted? <laughs> Man, um, so I'll preface this by saying, so I, my wife and I just got married what over three weeks ago now, so. 
one of the things that we we decided and elected to do premarital counseling and the the pastor and his wife who who led the premarital counseling actually said this of trust and I really <clears throat> excuse me I think this is a really awesome way to describe this I had never heard this before but they said that trust is truth over time and so being a truth over time which can be you know you can interpret that in a whole lot of different ways but uh, I think there's an illustration that one of my old mentors had that really fits this well is there's you know everybody has a bucket right yeah. of love you know or like or just I guess you can call it a trust bucket and some people need a lot more in that bucket in order for it to be full some people need a lot less um, but there's some degree of of input that needs to go into that bucket um, albeit for this illustration truth that goes into that bucket over the course of time that's going to fill it up in order for you to feel like you trust somebody now there's people who have a full bucket to begin with and then as you break trust stuff starts coming out of it and there's people where you they don't trust anybody and over time you have to put into that bucket but i think it's like a it's a container you know i mean in which you are able to you know feel like you can you can talk about open up and bear yourself to other people, you know, or your dog or, you know, your goldfish. If you got a goldfish, <laughs> you know, but there's, you know, being able to recognize that, you know, that it is something that it, that develops and something that is um, that's cultivated. Um, but, yeah, I think truth over time is a really good description of it, because, you know, when my, you know, for the sake of marriage. My wife, when she tells me the truth about how she's feeling or what's going on in life or different things that have that have happened and impacted her story, you know, there's a there's a degree of like I I understand and may not have experienced the same things, but those things resonate with me and we can build, you know, experience together as we're walking through those things, whether good things, whether bad things, whether hard things, easy things, you know, her being able to to tell me, you know, truth about those things is like yo okay like i know i know that you're you're not you know you're not holding this part back like there's parts where people are like hey i i can't tell you that yet i i get it and i think but as as the relationship grows i think those areas you know begin to open up more with people like you may not necessarily tell somebody you never met that you know you fell off your bicycle at five years old and broke your face and everybody in the fourth grade, you know, after that met, you know, clown on you for 10 years about how your face was messed up. You know what I mean? Like that may not be the first thing that comes out your mouth, but if you talk with that person, you hang out with that person for a long enough time, you spend that time with them. Maybe some of those things begin to surface. Um, and I think, yeah, I think being able to just to spend that time to be able to you know, choose to to tell people the truth about what it is that's going on in your, you know, in your spirit and your soul and inside of you um, over that course of time, you know, is something that that really is what the development of trust looks like. Yeah. So do you do you feel because it kind of ties into with your writing, too? Do you feel like you have to trust yourself and what you're saying more than you trust other people? Like, is your foundation? Do you do you ask other people to kind of uh create the fence for your trust or are you like, I have to build up trust in myself, right? In my emotion, in my decision making. Mm. 
in how I approach people. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I can get it from the outside. And the same thing in your writing, right? Do you trust what you're putting on paper mm-hmm. in five years? You're like, okay, that, or, or do you release that? Right. Mm. I think it's a, that's a really good question. Uh, sometimes I think would be the answer. I think if I, if I, you know, there's an awareness of, of myself that I've, you know, has kind of been grown over time, which I think helps to build trust with myself of like, I know that this makes me angry or this is something that triggers me to have a really, you know, there might be some small stint of depression because of this thing or this happened at this stage in life. And it's like, I didn't always have the words or the understanding of those things. And so it was like, well, I don't, I just want to avoid this because I don't, you know, because I don't know. I just know that this happens. But as, you know, I guess maybe even building that trust with, you know, my own, my body, my, my story and being able to uncover those things. I think it is a similar process to doing it with other people because you're, you're constantly learning about yourself in that. And so I I think that is very important and helpful. It may not always be the first thing because there's some people you, you, I walk into a room and I'm like, yo, I'm about to tell this person my whole life story. (laughs) You know? And it's like, that's crazy. Like that doesn't happen all the time. But even sometimes with your, with my writing or, you know, how I I do that. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to write this out. I may not have a full understanding of it. I may not understand that it was stemmed from, you know, stuff that happened with my parents' relationship when I was a kid. I may not know all that, but I know it's something that I got to get out. And I I have enough trust maybe in the process of of getting it out, you know, to be able to say, you know, I may not completely know what's going on here, but I know that I can, you know, I know this is going to be better when this, you know, comes out and surfaces. So I think I think that happens similarly with people um, and even in the writing process, too, is like there will be times when it's like, yeah, I, I have more trust in knowing like I know this about myself and therefore I feel comfortable sharing it with others. There are times when it's like I have no idea what's going on, but I trust that when I share this with other people that they have, you know, whether it is the trust I've built up, you know, in that relationship with them or even with the page that it is going to be something that is generative and is able to kind of, um, yeah, really, I, I guess, not only build trust with me, but build trust on the other side of it, too, if if that's kind of making sense. So it's like this mutually, like, there's always two there's always two sides of this. And it's like, it may be something that's mutually beneficial and builds the trust of both of us. It may be something that I'm holding and trying to understand more that can help build the trust in myself. You know, and then on the other side of it, it may just be something that's shared that can actually even just build the trust with with that other person or the page or whatever that may look like on the other side. You mentioned truth, too. Mm-hmm. So truth and trust are they're they're siblings, like in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the 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 phrase I've, I've asked many people about this mm-hmm. just in conversation but the phrase like my truth right now is is a is a buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. How do you define truth? Mm. You know, that's a that's a big question. Just like love, like how do you define love, right? <laughs> like how do you define truth? But like that mm. is this is this source like the subjective based on our our experience, right? Mm. Um, so is that how people are sharing it? Is there a small t truth, a big t truth? Mm. Um, like, well, how do you how do you view that, right? Because especially in a newly married and in a relationship, 
a relationship, mm-hmm. being firm on what you see as kind of, I don't know what, about non-negotiables or fundamentals or mm-hmm. they can be really rigid sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're so important, right? We need, whether you have a base of five pillars or two, we all have pillars, right? That mm-hmm. are kind of non-negotiables. Yeah. Um, because you need definition, you need parameters to kind of move forward, to build off of, right? Absolutely. The idea, I think in our culture, it's kind of popular to, to kind of say that everything is subjective and we're all creating our own reality. Mm. But you can't have a culture if you do that, right? Exactly. You can't have rules, norms. Mm-hmm. It would, it would, it would, the end result, if we really believe that, like mm-hmm. we think we do, It'd be chaos. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be war. It'd be it'd be a mess. <laughs> it would be right. It would be a complete cluster. But yeah, it would. <laughs> but for some reason, we like we fall in love with this concept of mm-hmm. subjectivity, like wild subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of imparting my like my opinion on it. But so, how do you see truth and all that? Man, I think it's very important to um, make the divide between truth and perspective. I think that for me has been a really helpful way to describe it because we're sitting at your, we're sitting at a table here, right? There's a coffee cup on the table. From my perspective, I can see that the the handle is on the right side, and that there's coffee in the mug. I can see the coffee in the mug. From your perspective, it you know the handle's on the left side, and you can't see whether there's coffee in the mug or not. Both of those things are true. You know they're they're like from my perspective, but I think the truth is that it exists here. And so I think with perspective, it's like, yo, that's a, that's a true statement. Like I can tell you that the handle's on the right and you'd be like, no, the handle's on the left. And it's like, well, from your perspective, this is what you see is true. And what, from my perspective, this is what I see is true, but understanding it as saying, I think truth is something that exists and that our perspectives are how we see that truth. Mm. And so that is, you know, there's a, yeah, yeah, I like that. it's hard because, you know, it does remove a lot of the, I, I think that for this conversation is helpful, creative control that people want to have over their own lives. You know, it, it, it removes me from the center of saying that my perspective is the only perspective that is there. Yeah. And my, tr- basically what people are inserting truth for perspective. So say my truth is the only truth that is there and what I'm going to follow and whatever. And what I have, what I've understood maybe more so from labeling it as perspective is recognizing that there's 360 degrees in a, in this, in this realm right here. Plus, you know, whatever other dimensions I can't see. Yeah. Infinite, in, infinite perspective, infinite right? perspective, but it speaks about something that is true. And so there's a, it's, it's hard. I think for me sometimes to say, you know, I saw this YouTube video where it was talking about my truth, that that tagline. And it was it really it, it started having this very uh, they digressed a lot. But it got to the point where somebody was saying, well, my truth is that because I'm mad, I should kill this person and I'm going to kill this person. And that's my truth. And y'all need to accept that. And then the other people on, you know, that was sitting there. At the thing, we're shaking the head like, nah, something right. is wrong here, <laughs> right. you know? And it's like, that person may fu- fundamentally believe with their whole heart that their truth is that they need to destroy. Right. Justify. Yeah, justify. But I'm like, that's hard for me because I'm like, I, I don't want to do harm to people, you know what I mean? And I'm a, I'm a man of faith, and I think that 
you know, informs a lot of my perspective, but it also informs, I think, where I see and how I I see what what truth is. Um, But I, I have to say that truth has to exist, you know, in in its own thing. And my perspective on that truth is important because I may my face may be a frown and my wife may be like, why are you upset? And I might not be frowning or she'd be like, why are you upset with me? You know, maybe it's something that said in conversation. I'm like, I may not be mad at her at all. I may be thinking about something that happened two days ago, you know, and how it's continued to affect me in life. Like, you know, you know, the passing of, of a person or something that happened in, in a family. But, you know, what somebody else sees maybe how they view that truth or view, you know, what's happening in front of them. But their perspective is not the, you know, I think the only way that that situation can be viewed and understood. So I think, yeah. Oh man, I I think that's a, that's a very, it's a succinct, but I mean, such a teachable, like for our culture, that'd be great if someone would would just say that right, Mm -hmm. right now, man, because but that takes that takes a true level of uh, humility, mm-hmm. uh, empathy, mm-hmm. restraint, um, like willingness to to even accept the other perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe we're, we're we're willing to talk about three, you know? We're like I can I can, uh, I can that's all right. The rest of those, mm-hmm. it's like it's not even worth my time. But man, well. Uh, Working, well, I guess people can't find you online, but like, do you have a blog that, that people can find your stuff, or yeah. are you do you perform the poetry live, or yeah? So, I um, I have a I guess a, a pen name, a pseudonym, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's P S Edicott, so it's P dot S dot, and then Edicott is E D E K O T, and you know. There's a whole story behind that. I don't know if you want me to get into that or not. Uh, I used to, you know, I used to be a desk assistant at uh, one of the college or a couple of the college dormitories that I was at. I went to Arizona State University. You know, that's my alma mater. You know, go Sun Devils. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the ASU, I'm not going to hate on App- Appalachian State, but I'm just saying. Yeah, 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 for here. sure. But I used to work the, uh, uh, the dorms there and was working at the desk and there was another desk assistant that came up one time and I was writing some poetry at the desk and like you know what you're kind of like a desk poet and I was like you know what I like that and at the time I I had just been signing my name for all my poems and everything but I decided to take the opportunity to kind of figure out um I guess what I wanted to go by and it's desk or uh, P.S. Etikot is an anagram and it's of desk poet so desk poet with the letters rearranged becomes P.S. Etikot. And so I've gone by that for a lot of my music stuff. Uh, on Spotify, it's weird. It's a P dot S with no dot after the S and then Etikot. Um, but everything else is just like, that's that's been my, my pen name and what I've gone by, but it, it originates from Desk Poet. So it's interesting to see how the writing part kind of undergirds everything else that I've done with music, with poetry, with you know freelance writing and, and even all my creative endeavors. So yeah, the blog is psatthedesk.com, uh, and then any of my email stuff is really just, you know, it's s aubrey at psatticot.com. 
So. And when when's the? Do you know when your stuff for Barista Magazine is coming out? Yeah, I have three articles up there right now. I'm working on a fourth right now. I can't tell you what it is, but it'll be coming out pretty actually pretty soon. Uh, I have one uh, that I wrote about Beatty Coffee in uh, California. So it's a roaster that's out there. Awesome, awesome, great, great uh, husband and wife couple, but they are doing some really awesome things out there. And then I've written two on Vietnamese coffee uh, that are up right now on there. So if you just search my name, Spencer Aubrey, on Barista Magazine online, those will pop up. Uh, and then the fourth one that I'm, I've been writing uh, will also be up fairly shortly. So, cool. yeah. Right on. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for dropping by the house. Uh, it was great to you can get get to know you more. Yeah. But uh, guys, I hope you I hope you enjoyed. I hope you uh, like always that it kind of spurred you to maybe start writing more, um, kind of explore, but also form relationships uh, with with those that that are going to fill you up. Right. I think that that's one of the things that is so important um, to have these authentic conversations. Um, that are willing to see your perspective, right? And appreciate it. Um, it's so important. So appreciate you listening in. Uh, until next time, if you got those good people, send them my way. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. It's been Sean Scott for The Coffee Life. Thanks, thanks.